Welcome to Cartridge Command, your weekly retro gaming podcast where we discuss and review the classic and not-so-classic games of the 8- and 16-bit era. I'm Nick. And I'm Eric. And this week's game is Monster in My Pocket for NES. (laughs) I like that delivery. Monster in My Pocket was developed by Konami and published by them in Japan in 1992. It was then released by them in North America in 1992, January to be specific, and then released by Palcom in PAL Territories also sometime in 1992. All right. It is somewhat hard to find exact information about this game because when you look up Pocket and the word Monster and Nintendo, (laughs) you mainly get things for the Pokemon franchise. Yeah, there was a bit of a litigation at one point, too, about it. Yes, because this game is actually based on a line of toys, the Monster in My Pocket line, released in 1990 by Matchbox. And it was a line of tiny figures of mm-hmm. monsters that fit yeah. in your pocket. They sure did. Uh, very similar to Muscle Men. Yeah, yeah, for sure. They were just one color, plastic, uh, and you know, various famous monsters from history and famous movies. Yes, yes. Uh, in fact, uh, they went a little too far into history and uh, got themselves in trouble, especially in Europe, as the later waves of, quote, monsters uh, started including, um, you know, gods and religious figures from other cultures. Yeah, no, they, they changed one, right? Because they had Ganesh as like a, quote unquote, monster, and that caused some problems. And Hanuman. Oh, sure. Yeah, and we might get more into this in our personal history with the line, but I was just a little too old for them when they came out, which is a bummer because I do love monsters. Uh, Yeah, I I bumped up against it a little bit, but I didn't own any. Now, being a toy line of the 80s and 90s, of course, it also had many other avenues you could explore it in. There was a TV special, uh, but most interesting was also a comic book. Yeah, I didn't realize it got the full treatment, you know? Not only that, but this comic book was written by Dwayne McGuffey. Uh, if you're not familiar with Mr. McDuffie, uh, he is the creator of Damage Control, Deathlock, Milestone Comics, and Static Shock. Oh, wow. Okay. He's and he done even, a bit then. Yeah, yeah. He was even like uh, one of the head writers for Justice League Unlimited, my favorite oh. version of that show. Yeah, pretty awesome. So I'm guessing this comic is way better than it needs to be. <laughs> not unlike the G.I. Joe comic. Yeah, yeah. And this game is loosely based on that comic. Yeah, I guess. Yeah. The Uh, story is weird and kind of minimal. (laughs) Yeah. And I guess they do change up a few of the characters where some of the allies of the hero monsters are bosses or villains in this video game. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Another interesting note is that this game being a tie in to the toy and a very small toy actually came with a monster for your pocket. Oh, did it? That's awesome. Yeah. The green one on the cover that does not appear in the game, uh, Blimeyes or Blimmies. She's an ancient uh, creature that is a headless man with a face in his chest. Okay. Gross. Yep. It it is very gross. (laughs) But, you know, it's cool that it did come with uh, its own pocket monster. Yeah. Yeah. And then another fun note is that this game was uh, ROM hacked and released in Asia to much success as Batman and the Flash. Oh, really? Yeah. Whereas uh, the Dracula character is now Batman. The sprite is barely changed so that it has pointy ears. Yeah. And 
same with the Frankenstein. It's barely changed to be the Flash. And that's it. There's no other changes to the, the graphics <laughs> or the story or anything. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, the best part is that the cart, uh, if you bought the cart, it has uh, the John Wesley ship Flash from the 90s TV show and the oh. Michael Keaton Batman on it. <laughs> that's awesome. Indeed it is. So, Nick, what kind of game is Monster in my pocket? It is a side-scrolling action platformer. Indeed, it is. And in this game, you can jump. In fact, amazingly, it has a double jump. Yeah, straight out of the gate. Although it is a very awkward double jump. Yeah, it's a little weird. Like, you have to press your jump button again towards the top of it to get it. You can't, you know, it's not like Super Ghouls and Ghosts or something. Or you can time it, you know? Yeah, most games where I like to do my double jump a little bit after the ascent of the jump. Mm -hmm. And in this game, you cannot. You can only double jump on the ascent of your jump. Sure. Once you've hit the peak, it's too late to hit that button again. Yeah, so you got to know what you're doing. Uh, luckily, though, there are no pit deaths in this game. Yeah. It's... And <laughs> jumping is really just there to get you over enemies and obstacles. Yeah. And then besides jumping, your other main way of interacting with the world of monsters is by punching. Yes, both monsters have a punch attack, which releases a little kind of wave or something. If you, I mean, it doesn't shoot out, but you can see. Uh... <laughs> it's like a yeah, like an energy blast. It's a nice arc around you. It's good because it does also uh, hit a little bit above you and below you as well. Yeah, yeah, and it's it's got a little more range than you might suspect at first as well. Oh, indeed. And as we have mentioned, uh, this game does feature two characters: a vampire and a Frankenstein's monster. Yes. And you can choose between either when you start the game. Yeah. Uh, I do like the fact that it is a more vampire style vampire, not a uh, Count Dracula style. Sure, sure. And besides their looks, they are functionally identical, I think. Yeah, I, I kept seeing online that there were slight differences, like the, the monster, the Frankenstein's monster is a little stronger. I couldn't really tell. <laughs> yeah, I didn't notice any difference either. Now, in addition to running, jumping, and punching, there are a few items to find in this game. Uh, two offensive items, the mm -hmm. key and the screw. Yes, they're both pretty much just objects you pick up to throw at enemies. Yes, and they're a little awkward because when you throw them, they have a very like weird angle you toss them at. So you really can't hit things directly in front of you. Yeah, I, I kind of avoided them <laughs> because they're kind of a pain. Like, they're strong, I guess, but... Towards the end, there's a few enemies that they're good on because... Enemies that take three hits or so, they'll hit, mm -hmm. they'll kill in one hit usually. Yeah. Uh, but the cool part is, is you can carry them from one area to the next and even into the boss fight. Which is cool, yeah. Yeah, there's, a, I think, two boss fights that you could really benefit from, it, except for the one I think you would benefit from the most, there is no key or screw in that level. Mm -hmm. Now, I foolishly uh, did not read about this game before I started playing it, and I was really hunting all over for where to use that key you find in the first level right. to open yeah. a door. And there was none. Yeah. And one thing, too, is that in a lot of the levels, like you can't really backtrack. So if you accidentally throw that key too far off screen, it's just gone. That happened to me quite a few times. Yeah, it's an interesting choice because, you know, especially this late in the NES life cycle, you're used to being able to go backwards through a level. Yeah, not yeah, here. Or at least a little bit. Yeah, no, I was kind of like, what? <laughs> now, in addition to keys, you will find uh, heart containers. 
Uh, yes. And this will give you more life because in this game you have lives, but you also have a life meter. Yeah, you start with three lives and your your life meter, you have five health. Yeah, and it's, they're pretty generous with the, the extra hearts. Mm-hmm. You'll find them throughout all the levels. They're not really hidden. Sometimes they're a little bit off the beaten path, but yeah, nothing crazy. No. Uh, in addition to the hearts you're going to find, for every enemy you defeat, you do get a set number of points. Yes, and it depends on the enemy. They all have their own kind of points value, you know, that escalates from five up to 25, you know. And bosses themselves have some large number, a couple thousand or something, or hundred, a couple hundred. Yeah, and it, uh, you will get a one up at, I think, 500 points and then each 2,000 after that. That sounds about right. And you do have three continues. Yes, which start and, you from the beginning of the level you died on. And when you die, you start exactly where you were. Yeah, which is pretty cool. It is very cool, especially in boss fights. <laughs> and as we mentioned, there are two players, and you can actually play this game co-op. Yes, it's a pretty cool option. It is a fairly cool option, uh, because this game suffers from what I like to call Contra Syndrome. Is it too crowded? No, it's that with one player jumps off the screen, they are lost for a moment. Oh. <laughs> now, it will reset you to where the other player was, but if there's an enemy where you landed, you can get hurt without even knowing what's going on. Oh, crazy. Okay, so you really got to stick together, huh? You do. But on the other side, I don't think it increases the number of enemies. So I feel like it's a little easier in that respect. Mm, yeah, I can see that. Especially when you get to the bosses. Yeah, yeah. Well, Nick, this is Konami, the king of manual puns <laughs> and a property that should have its own artwork already available. So are there a ton of puns and is there some good artwork to check out in this instruction manual? I would say yes to both. Um, oh, awesome. <laughs> it's a 21-page uh, a manual. It's black and white. You know, they went out on a lot of goofy puns and stuff. Uh, this is pretty close to Castlevania and subject matter, so I think they were ready for it. Did they, they had some in the bank they probably hadn't used. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, it does go through some story, but there's really not much more to it than indicated in the game. It's kind of weird where every hundred years, the monsters of the world have a secret meeting. But at this last one, it's like at a monster volcano. They were all shrunk by the evil warlock. Yeah, I think everyone was supposed to be shrunk but him or him and his goons. Yeah, yeah. So he, um, so the good monsters end up becoming friends with a human. Somehow they like sneak into his backpack or something. Well, the evil monsters are the minions of Warlock, and the he shows up on your TV one day, and then you just have to beat him. He doesn't really have like a world-ending plan or anything. It's kind of weird. And that's really where the game picks up, right from that TV watching episode. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so yeah, it goes through your controls and gives you a little stage preview, but the. You know, in your three items, but it does have eight pages of enemies named with points values. Okay, that's cool. Which is something interesting. I wish uh, I could check because the points, I wonder if the points values of the enemies in the game, you know, the all of the monsters in my pocket toys also had a points value associated with it. That was kind of like its rarity or something. I don't know. So I wonder right. if they correspond. But other than that, you know, it's just pretty cool. You can see and the artwork is very you know, I could recognize a few monsters from my memory or checking out online. So it really looks like they just drew a picture of the figure, you know. 
Okay, cool. But yeah, that's pretty much it. You do get a one-page score memo section, and that's about it. Oh, man, this, this, this uh, sounds like this instruction book has everything I would want in it. Puns, <laughs> artwork, and a score page. Yeah. So, Nick, what is your personal history with the Monsters in My Pocket franchise and this game? Well, I never played the game before, um, but I had a Did your brother have any monsters? No, he might have. I know when they first came out, a friend of mine, he had a couple of them. I feel like your brother was probably uh, in the right age range for them. Yeah, I mean, they were okay uh, for what they were, you know, but, you know, I was like 10 when these came out, so a non- articulate figure was kind of like child's play to me you know yeah i had to have some really extra special gimmick they were i was kind of intrigued but like i said by the points i do remember that being like is there some gameplay like it was a game but it wasn't there they did have a couple board games that used the points i think in some way or i I don't know but like i said my friend had a few i I can remember a couple of them but that was about it what about you yeah i remember I remember seeing them on the shelf, but again, like you know, you said at this point, I think the turtle figures had come out, mm-hmm. and if not, then I was at the tail end of my GI Joe figure phase. But also, yeah. like you, very few figures were bought when that precious, precious dollar was being saved up for any Nintendo game I could get. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> so then, what was your more recent experience with monsters in my pocket? Well, uh, I beat this game. And uh, I didn't even really have to cheat, so <laughs> I only played it twice. <laughs> yeah, I saved between levels just for the sake of easiness, mm-hmm. in case I had to restart. Um, but I didn't really need to. I did save at the bosses, and there was one that gave me a little trouble. But, I mean, if I went back and I did go back and, and two-player this, and I, I think I could have beaten it without it, yeah. saving it at any point. I see the both the times I played, I was like, I wasn't like, all right, I'm going to beat this game now. You know, I was like, oh, I'll check it out. Or in the second time, I just, you know, I don't know. I was able it's, to get. It's pretty short. Yeah. I was able to get almost to the end before using my first continue. So I was like, well, I think I could do this. And it could. Yeah. Once you get down the, the core mechanic, it's pretty easy to move forward. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I also played this twice and beat it. Nice. All right, folks, this is it, the general chat portion of our show. And I would just like to start by saying that this game has some of the most delicious character animations I've ever seen on a Nintendo system. It it looks pretty good. Man, I love the way the vampire and the monster like run, duck, jump, everything. It's like, I don't know why they spent so much time on them, but they really gave them like an extra level of polish that is just amazing. Yeah, they look, and I mean, aside from the animation, the character sprites, and not just the good guys, you know, the bad guy, they all look good and are very faithful to the actual monsters in our pockets. I don't know. Now, did you play as the monster or the vampire? Uh, I played as both, but I got about halfway through the first time with the vampire, and I was like, oh, I'm just checking it out, you know, and I was like, okay, and uh, so I, I tried the second time was when I played through as the monster, and that's when I beat it, so. Awesome. Well, as you know, it's a dracula fan i of course had to be the vampire (laughs) and i just loved like you know seeing that cape the extra little flourish on that cape when you jumped and landed looks so good oh yeah yeah 
Yeah, I was really wow. surprised because for some reason, like before playing this game, you know, I, I was playing as a vampire and I was like, oh, his the double jump is his special thing. Right. So when I got the monster and I was like, oh, well, he can do it too, then <laughs> why not? Whatever. Uh, now, like you said, the graphics are great for you know all the enemies. The enemies don't have as much animation you know they're a little more basic yeah the only sticking point i have is kind of like a catch-22 and that is that the backgrounds are a little sparse because when you play this game you are in real world environments as a tiny character yeah it's got a rescue rangers vibe oh man that was my next note (laughs) yes and i think they do a really good job of making these giant spaces seem real Mm -hmm. the only problem is since they are huge spaces they by that nature are kind of sparse yeah, not a lot of detail back there. They try to make up for that in some areas, and they do a good job, but I don't really see any way they could get around it without just it being cluttered looking, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And still looking like you're running around on a sink or going down the stairs, that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah, that's something I kind of, again, to compare it to Rescue Rangers, like, I, I was kind of disappointed. It's like, I would think, oh, here's a faucet. I bet I can turn it on or these burners or, but no, you don't really interact with the environment at all. It's just hazards or platforms. But in his defense, I will say they do a really great job of having a lot of different environments at that scale. Yeah, yeah. Every, it looks good, I think. Um, sometimes it's unclear what you can jump on. Which is, well, it's interesting because it's only really unclear because of like our previous conceived notions of what you can and can't jump on. Mm-hmm. Because I think pretty much you can jump onto anything in this game yeah, if yeah. you can reach it. There's a lot of, I, I don't know, it's just kind of weird. A lot of things you would think are just background or not, you know. Yeah, I mean, I made that mistake early on, and then I realized you can really just climb through every level if you really want to. Yeah. Uh, the music in this game, I think it's pretty darn good. It's not amazing, but it doesn't get annoying or... I really... a couple of catchy tunes. I really like it. Like, it reminded me a lot of the first TMNT Ninja Turtles. I could see that. Well, uh, I did a little research, and there are two people who worked on the music. One of them, Hiroshi Takayasu, was big in the, like, beat mania, poppin' music, and DDR games. Okay. But Kozo Nakamura worked on all the TMNT games except for the arcade game. Huh. NES conversion. But, you know, he he was in some other 90s Konami games. But I really, it has a very similar vibe to that overworld music in it. I I don't know. It's just, uh, it's got this like cheesy, happy-go-lucky sound. I don't know. I, I really like quite a few of the songs, even if they aren't super awesome or catchy, you know? No, I agree. Like, they're, they're all good. That's for sure. Mm-hmm. And I really like the bosses. All the bosses were really interesting looking. I mean, I know they are actual figures, Mm -hmm. but they went out of their way to make them unique and kind of give you a different, a really different um, interaction with each boss. Yeah, yeah. And I like that there are other monsters your size. You're not fighting big background enemies, you know? Yeah, for the most part. There is the one that is a little larger. We'll get to that. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like you said, they're all pretty awesome. Yeah, and pretty easy too like all of the monsters generally have like one attack pattern and that's it so once you get that down well i mean that's the game itself is uh that's my biggest complaint is that once you realize that the way you deal with 95 percent of the enemies in this game is standing still and just continuously punching until they run into your punch yeah and uh, then there's not even you've got the game (laughs) aside from your your points and ergo one-ups you know there are no enemy drops. There's there's like no items. Like it, it does a kind of empty feeling game. Like some power-ups would be nice, you know? Yeah, uh, especially because, you know, when you get to a new area you're not unfamiliar with, it's just like creep up a little bit. Yeah. Oh, you see something, stand and start punching. Hope it runs into your punch. Because like you said, there's not a lot going on. And one thing I do like is that 
a lot of enemies that have a projectile attack, you can defeat that attack with a punch. Yeah, almost all of them. So it's, um, I mean, yeah, it's, it's anything but weird. like the lasers. But yeah, so because of that, though, it's also, you know, you don't really want to avoid their attack. You just want to stand your ground and smash that punch button. Yeah, take them down. Yeah, the other thing I really like is that the select screen, you have those really awesome giant sprites of the half vampire, half uh, monster head. Yeah. yeah, they look cool. And they, yeah, and they have like a little bit of animation when you choose them. They're like, hmm, me? Yeah, yeah. Oh, I mean, all the, even, you know, the, when you're watching the TV and you see the warlock's head, who just looks like a, a guy, guy with a, a villainous buzz cut, I guess. But I mean, it's really well animated. It's a good looking face. Yes, it is. And I do like the fact that I you know we mentioned that the heart container is, you know, your way to get health. But I think it's funny that it's like in a jar. Yeah, it's a heart in a jar, the manual. So I wasn't sure if that's like a horror thing, like, you know, like Frankenstein style, like someone's heart you're taking. I saw I like to t- take it as that. I think it is because they, they mentioned a little something about that in the manual, actually. OK, awesome. This is it, folks, the level by level portion of our show. And this game has levels, six levels. Yeah, six levels. And each level is broken up into three areas. You have two short stage areas and then the boss area. Yeah. And stage one is a bedroom. That's right. I'm assuming it's the owner (laughs) of the monsters, their bedroom. And when you look at the map by itself, it's pretty amazing because it just looks like a big pixel art bedroom. Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it, it's better scaled, I think, than, say, Rescue Rangers. Yeah, not only is it really well scaled, I mean, it looks very realistically proportioned and like what you would find. You know, you've got a boombox, a couple windows, the place like a window would be, the desk and the bed. Yeah, um, there's a couple basic enemies here that are like, I think, zombies. There is a specifically one skeleton that will throw bones at you. That I remember my friend having this toy because it's a skeleton that's missing one of its legs. So it walks oh. on an arm and a leg and the other arm throws the bone. Now, this is like the hardest enemy you're going to deal with for a while because instead of just uh, running up and punching it, you have to be careful of that head because it rolls under your punch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So you have to duck and punch the head. Pretty tough. And that's the only difference. <laughs> yeah, and I like, uh, you know, this level, while you can't backtrack, you do have some vertical leave to kind of... Choose multiple paths. Yeah, you can go over the desk, under the desk. Your choice. But you're just moving to the right, trying to get to the door to leave the room. Yeah, and when you do, you will be out on a uh, stairway. Yeah, you leave. There's a hallway with a small end table. And I have not looked at the maps uh, until now. And I'm really getting blown away by their realistic scale. Yeah, yeah. No, it's, you know. Like when, you you're, th- when you're in the game, it does seem like everything is really large and realistic. But when you look at it in its totality, I mean, this is like a very well-proportioned, like, hallway slash set of stairs. Yeah. Um, I think we see these uh, griffins for the first time. That's another. I mean, again, these enemies look just like the toys. So good on them. Now, the griffins may pose a little bit of a challenge to you because they have a weird swoop. But once mm-hmm. you realize that you just need to stand still and punch until they run into your fist, that should be no problem. Yeah. Or, you know, you always have the option. You can just run past most of the enemies, jump over them, and keep going. Like, you don't have to fight them. No. The only problem is if you're going down, like, uh, stairs, you're jumping over a gap. They do place a lot of enemies to, like, where you would jump and land. 
So you yeah, usually yeah. want to just fall straight down and not like make a big leaping jump. Yeah. You get to the bottom of this area. They have a couple uh, heart containers there for you. And then you get to fight your first boss. Yes, he is spring Jack. Yeah, which is pretty cool. And he is very goofy looking. Yeah, he has some like weird I'm... glasses like Elton John style going on. Or yeah. Something. Okay, yeah. He looks like Elton John or uh, Luna Lovegood, perhaps. Mm, okay. Either way, he's just wearing a green suit and some crazy glasses. Uh, but he does have those spring heels so he can jump super high. I feel like in the traditional lore, is, does a spring heel jack have like goat legs? I, man, I think it depends on, I think there's a lot of different things, you know. Well, Go this ahead. one has uh, slacks on. Yeah, and he also throws knives when he's in the air. But they're very slow-moving knives. And destroyable. So. Yeah, which is awesome. Now, usually he jumps around and he'll throw them out three at a time uh, in kind of like an arc where you get one that goes straight down 145 and one at like a 70-degree angle. Yeah. So you have some room to hide You know, if you just want to dodge them, which actually for the most part, I just dodge them because they're just easy enough to dodge. Yeah, and eventually after a few jumps, he'll stop for a few seconds. So if you can get over there, you can punch him a few times. Normally, you can hit him once when he lands before he jumps again. So if you're patient, pretty easy. Yeah, especially if you stay close to him, he'll just mainly do like a a very shallow or a very short vertical jump or a very tall vertical jump, but very uh, short distance left and right. And then you Mm -hmm. barely have to move at all. You can. And then when he lands, you get a couple hits off of him pretty easily. Uh, apparently it takes 17 hits to defeat him, which sounds like a lot, but you punch really fast. So it's yeah. not, not any trouble at all. Yeah. Once you have defeated Spring Hill Jack, you move on to area two, which is the kitchen. Yeah. Trouble, big trouble in the kitchen. And they mix things up a little bit here because you have to move right like you normally would. But then you climb up a chair and then move left across the table. Yeah. Now in That's this area, cool. you're, you're going to fight uh, ogres. Some really goofy-looking ghosts. Yeah, so watch out. Yeah, the ghosts are all right. The the ghosts always had an expression to me that was like, why me? (laughs) Like they didn't want to be attacking you. Right. Uh, And then some weird little like sugar cube-headed creatures uh, at the top of the table. That's what the... I was wondering. I was like, I don't know what these weird square-headed things are. Yeah, I think they're supposed to be like sugar cubes, and then they're throwing sugar cubes at you. Mm -hmm. Uh, Again... This looks like a real table. I yeah, mean, got some except for cheese. the fact that you usually don't have two blocks of cheese on your table, but it's a table with three chairs at it. Once you move to the first area, you get to the second, and that is like the kitchen proper where you're moving across the countertop where the sink is, some big pots and dishes, and the stove. Mm-hmm. And there's some axe-throwing little like gremlins here. There's like a dragon that will drop eggs. Yeah, which the egg is so huge that it's easy to punch it out of the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah. And, you know, at least so far, almost every time I would get hit, there would be like a potion right afterwards, a heart in the, you know what I mean? Where I'm like, oh, yeah, they know. They definitely know like where they've made it a little less uh, fair. Uh, And like you said, there are burners on these stoves that will hurt you, but you just got to jump over them. And if you jump down off the stove and you move left, there's like a bunch of hearts. Yeah. And a key, which you can take right away into the refrigerator or icebox where you'll find the next boss yeah man i didn't do that but the next boss i believe is bigfoot yeah which is weird because it should be the abominable snowman or a yeti yeah he is blue and in a freezer (laughs) you really didn't take the key with you i didn't see it because when i jumped off i went soaring to the right (laughs) Mm, anytime i did that a lot in this game where i'm like i guess i missed a big chunk of the level now the key is actually fairly useful for this boss because the way this boss works is he just kind of slowly 
walks back and forth. Every once in a while he sees you, he'll charge you. Uh, but you can, whenever you attack him, he'll stay stunned for a moment and then charge you as well. Yeah. So if you don't have the key, it's just about double jumping and then trying to land behind him to get another punch in. Yeah, pretty much where it's like, this is one that it was easy to not take any damage as long as I wasn't greedy. Yes. Now, if you have the key, what I did is I would just throw the key at him and then instantly double jump over him as he ran, pick up the key, throw it again, and just kind of back and forth over the level. That's awesome. Because that key has a lot of range on it. It will bounce a little bit. Yeah, yeah, for sure. But like you said, this is an easy boss to even take no damage at. And we didn't mention it as we should have during the gameplay portion of our show. But once you defeat a boss and the level, you do get all of your health back. Yes, which is fair. That's how a game should be. Yeah. Well, you defeat the noble and majestic Bigfoot and you move on to stage three, Crisis from Underground. Ooh. And you're out on the streets now. Yeah, cruising down a little sidewalk. And you say down because this is at a, a little slope. Yeah, and there will be golf balls being dropped by someone behind you. Oh, yeah, those are golf balls. Nice. Well, there are these like purple Hydra monsters, I guess, that fly down. And they're mm-hmm. like hilarious because if you just stand still, they will they will fly up to you and stop right in front of you. So as long as you don't, like, it's on you to mess this up. But you just punch them and take them down. Yeah, there are also these other, I don't know what they are, that come out of the ground. Yeah, I'm not sure myself. And they shoot fireballs at you that you can, or some sort of energy ball that you can break as well. You just really want to run up to them as soon as you start to see them rumble out of the ground and punch away. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then at the end of this area, you, I guess, fall down a manhole because of the oh, next, yeah. because of the beginning of the next area, it's, there's a great animation of you falling and falling and falling down into the sewers. The sewer. And I lied. (laughs) It is short because this is, I don't know if it's a pit death, but there is, I think there is a pit death here. Yeah, I think so. I, I didn't experience it, but I certainly treated it that way. Yeah. uh, Because there are these weird mermen. Yeah. Some kind of fish triton, maybe. Um, They jump out of the water, but they have a really like, uh, I would say it's a weird arc, but it's a very easy arc to know how to avoid them and where to stand to punch them. Yeah. The only thing that makes them, I don't even want to say difficult, but kind of scary is that at points you are, you know, when you're on a little like raft and you're going across this water and, you know, I was afraid of being knocked off. So I, you know, I paid attention and. And what's interesting is when you jump vertically on that little raft, your uh, the raft stops moving. Yeah, it is a little weird. But it's nice because then you can kind of control how many of those fishermen are coming at you. Yeah. And then once you make it through there, you get to fight the boss. And this boss is, well, I guess it's a Kraken because I don't know. I didn't know what it was when I got to it. Now, this is the boss I wish I had a key or a screw for. Yes, because it is a big head with two tentacles that kind of move up to its left and right when it surfaces. And I had trouble with this boss when I first got here. I really didn't know. It took me a minute to find an effective strategy to fight it. Yeah, because you don't, again, you don't want to get greedy. You can usually avoid the one of the tentacles, jump in after it lowers, hit him once, maybe twice, and then jump out before it comes back up. Yeah, because what happens is you see the ground rumbling, and then a tentacle comes up as the entire creature rises from the ground, and then the tentacle goes back down, comes back up, goes back down. And you have a very short window to jump over next to it, hit it, and then jump away again. Yeah. And it just takes a long time to fight this thing. It's true. The real, like you said, the real strategy is don't be greedy. Never go for more than two hits. And two hits are only available to you if you've jumped in at the exact right moment. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I wish I had a key here because this is the kind of one where you could just stand on the edge and throw a key at it. Oh, I wish, yeah. 
Now, once you've unleashed, I mean, defeated the Kraken, you move on to stage four, the Towering Catastrophe. The Towering Catastrophe. And you've got some new, like, ogre creatures you're fighting here. Mm -hmm. And the beginning of this level is interesting because you can move to the right, but you don't have to. No, yeah, you're in front of, like, a chain link fence that you, you can jump on each link of it and make your way to the top where you will then scroll back to the left. Yes, and on your way to the left, you have to jump on a construction hook from a crane yeah you ride it over some nails or tacks or something and there's these little weird flying creatures that fly in at kind of annoying angles and then uh swoop back at you the real key is just to be patient don't try to jump and attack them wait let them come to you yeah once you get over the spikes then you get to a kind of trickier spot where you're jumping on these kind of vertical steel i-beams again i'm a total liar because you can die here as well i know because i did Oh, I know. I was going to agree with you. This is the hardest part of the game so far. Yeah. And I mean, the jumps themselves wouldn't be anything, but there are these enemies. I don't know what they are, but they seem to have like a grappling hook. They look like a fly with a grappling hook. Yeah, something. So it's like and you just have to time it because they'll take two hits to kill. So it's it's really tight or maybe it's three. I don't know. But you want to three. Like, yeah. You want to jump while they're just about to start their attack so that it pulls back right as you land, and then you can hit them without getting hit, because otherwise you might get knocked off. Yeah, I found that you have to hit them twice, jump, so that you miss their grapple Mm -hmm. a second time, and then do it again. That's the only safe way I felt doing it. And as you said, that grappling hook isn't there to pull you in. It's there to knock you off. Yeah, jerks. But those are some super jerks. And then the next area of the towering catastrophe is uh, more uh, iron beams and scaffolding as you move vertically this time. Yeah. And there's these hilariously, like, they look like they're doing a uh, slide kick in soccer. Yeah, yeah. Little like gnomes or dwarves or something. something yeah, they, they slide down these like diagonal. But, you know, your standard method uh, stop and punch as they run into you takes care of them all. Yeah, yeah. The only hard part is the very bottom is those lions. Yeah, I think these are manticores. Yeah, well, they shoot some sort of fire you can't block or punch. Yeah, you just gotta and jump. And it stinks, so you just avoid them. Yes, There is a little elevator spot where you're going up a screw shaft and dealing with some flying creatures. But again, stand still and let them come to you. Yeah, yeah. Pretty pretty simple. And then you will get to the boss of this area. Uh, This is the gremlin. He's one of the hero monsters, I believe, that was switched to an enemy for the game. Okay. And his fight is, uh, you know, actually pretty cool, too. He does not interact with you one-on-one. He rides in that crane that you were on before. Yeah. And he shoots, like, he'll come into screen and throw a few of these blue, like, blobs out. They kind of fall down towards you. You dodge those, jump up, punch him. Um, and depending on which side, he can come in from the left, right, or top of the screen. And the hook will hurt you, so you have to jump over it. Yeah, that's when he would go out to the left, I think, was the only time I took down. Where I would, if, if you're not right, it can be a little tricky to jump over the, the hook. But yeah, when he would move from damage. left to right, that's when I just... I didn't try to hit him because I mm. found that if you try to hit him, there's no way to avoid his like little bombs and the crane at the same time. There's no yeah. way I could figure out. Yeah. So I just hung out on the right side and dodged the bombs and jumped over it. But you can usually get two or three hits off him every single time. Yeah. So again, this boss, not too bad at all. No, sir. Once you've defeated him, you move on to the stage five area, Oriental Illusion. Oof. And you are in a, I guess, traditional Japanese garden. Yeah, like a bamboo. You got some very large bamboo forests. There's a little bridge you cross over. Yep. There are a couple new enemies here. 
Yeah, some weird ones. You've got this uh, yellow thing that only chases you down when you're looking away from it. Yeah, that's a Coatlicue. Oh, okay. Some kind of Aztec, or I guess. Yeah, say that's a South American. Yeah. And then there's a flying creature I really don't like in this area. Yeah, I believe <laughs> it's a Tengu. Okay. Yeah. It just has a very annoying uh, pattern. And then it is that the one that shoots lightning at you? Uh, I don't know. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, they shoot lightning at you at a pretty severe angle. It's like I found like you had to run away from it every time. Yeah. In fact, this was one of the areas where I was like, all right, I'm not even fighting these guys. And they actually built up. They followed me. And there was a couple of them on screen at once. It was not fun. Okay. There is a screw you can carry through here, but I found that trying to use that screw was just more trouble than it was worth. Yeah. And it's, it's on top of this weird barbed wire thing that's not worth the trouble either, really. Like, we could get up there and just get past it, you know? Ah, uh, yes. Traditional Japanese barbed wire. <laughs> and the second half of the level finds you moving indoors. Yeah, you go through a little fence area and then some pillars. And there's more of those wonderful manticores. Yeah, once you get inside, there are some traditional like uh, Japanese screens, walls and doors, mm -hmm. and these bigger two hit ogres start popping out of them. Yeah, so they're not too bad because you see them come out. You can usually hit them before they can cause you any trouble. Now, there is a screw here at the beginning that I did take with me to the end. I didn't use it on the ogres because it was so awkward, but there's like a run of manticores at the end. Yes, and they all take so many hits that I found it much easier to just keep throwing that screw and killing them with it. Oh, yeah, I bet. That makes tons of sense. And then this boss is the Medusa. Oh, it's supposed to be a Medusa. I, I can see that now. Yeah, I, <clears throat> I didn't read it as that in the first time, but looking in the manual, I'm like, oh, it is It is a Medusa. And it's a pretty cool boss fight. Um, when the Medusa appears, there's actually five Medusas making an arc around you. Yes, but there four of them are false and one of them will fire at you a little beam that will paralyze you and uh, she will start flying towards you then. So you dodge the beam and then try to sneak in a hit. And for most of the attacks, you just have to jump around her and then punch her from behind. But if you're lucky enough to have her appear at the very top and you stand in the middle, she'll come straight down and then you can get a, a couple of good hits on her. Yeah, that's that's your best outcome there. And once you know the pattern, I thought this boss was pretty easy as well. Agreed. Next up is stage six, the last battle. That's right. And you're in a, a, a cave. Sorry, what's it called? Now. Last battle at Monster Mountain. Yes. Ooh, Monster Mountain. And not only are you in a cave, right away you get to fight some hilarious looking dinosaurs. That's right. They look really derpy. Yeah. Um, and and they are named the Tyrannosaurus Rex, so it is a deadly foe. It breathes fire. Yeah, just like a real Tyrannosaurus would. But all you um, gotta do is duck. <laughs> and punch away. The hard part is actually fighting it with those uh, acid drops that are coming from the ceiling. Yes. You um, just gotta make sure you're in the right spot not to get hit by them. Yeah, and then you'll get to a segment where you'll see a spiked ceiling that will soon come crashing down. But it's awesome. Yeah, because, okay, you duck to avoid it, but the enemies won't duck, and it'll kill them because there are these blue, like, minotaurs attacking you. Yeah, for the most part, I just let the, the ceiling kill most of them. Absolutely. Um, then there's a, a tricky part. Here's what actually what I was thinking of when I was like, I was running from these lightning monsters because there's a multi-headed beast. Oh, yeah, like a, a hydra of some sort. 
It's the great beast, my friend. And I'll tell you what, uh, they don't mention it in the manual, but I remember reading this uh, when some extracurricular research. This is the seven-headed beast from the book of Revelations. <laughs> As a tiny monster in like, your pocket. Yeah, I was like, what? Uh, but I guess, hey, they had Ganesh in there, uh, you know. Yeah, why not? It's all's fair and, and tiny monsters. <laughs> but yeah, I ran away from these because they were tough to fight. They shoot lightning. Uh, and they take like three or four. They take at least two hits. Yes. Yeah. Which is two hits too many. Agreed. To deal with a lightning spewing creature. Because <laughs> the orig- the other guys I was talking about shot like one little bolt of lightning that you can yeah. avoid. Yeah. This is a stream of lightning. Yeah. Don't mess with it, man. Luckily, the game knows that these things are cheap and they put two heart containers for you right after you encounter them. That's right. Gobble those up. And then you come to a kind of an elevator section where it's it's scrolling downward. Oh, yes. And I was like, okay, cool. What's next? Very well, slowly. <laughs> first, you fight some real goofy looking monsters that pop out of the windows. Yeah. Uh, and not a ton of them either. It's pretty yeah. easy. <laughs> but after that is the return of an old foe, Spring Hill Jack. Yeah, um, because this is the part where... It's a giant boss rush again. You're going to fight all the bosses you fought before. <laughs> Indeed. And there is no health in between them, sadly. No, no. That would be nice, but... It's just one after another, and luckily you know how to deal with each one. They're all doable, but it's just like getting across all of them with only five pieces of life can actually be a little tricky. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I think I died at least once through here, but I had built up an ex-freeman that it was okay. Yeah. Once you defeat all of them, uh, ending with the Medusa, then you head to the Well, luckily after that, there's two more heart pieces for you after the Medusa. Yes. And then is the Warlock himself. Yes. And I'm not going to lie. I'm not sure what the best strategy is for the Warlock. Because at this point, I was like, I've got a lot of lives. Just burn them. I'm just going to... Well, he the, the key is is a he teleports around the room and shoots a big lightning bolt at you. That's pretty much all he does. So yes. or he can summon a little enemy too, can't he? From time to time, or did I make that up? I don't, I don't think so. Uh, and that lightning bolt, depending on where he appears, is either really easy to dodge or almost impossible to dodge. Yeah. If you if you want to hit him, so yeah. I just figured it. I was just going to take the hit if it was one of those places where I just either had to avoid him entirely. Mm-hmm. I was like, nah, I'm just going to take the hit and hit him. Yeah. Because you could usually get two hits in on him that way, sometimes three. Yeah, I mean, if you have enough life, you could easily do that. Um, I was mostly just kind of running around, concentrating on avoiding taking a hit or getting a hit when I could. You're probably smarter than me. Well, it takes so long. This is a long boss fight. And once you defeat him, he turns into some static energy and disappears. And you get a stage clear and get to return to that living room or I guess bedroom. Yeah, wherever you are, back at the beginning where you're watching TV. and That's right. It says you have defeated your arch rival, the Sinister Warlock. Peaceful days will now return to vampires and monsters, I'm guessing, everywhere. (laughs) But you know what? I love what they did next. Yeah, this is a hilarious kind of twist for a second form where you're watching the TV, a Konami brand TV, and that face appears from before. But now it attacks you. It says, ha ha ha, I've returned. He's even more powerful, which is a lie because this is way easier. Yeah. Um, this is what you were thinking about when you, you talked about summoning creatures. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah, you've just got to fight this giant head. Which, you it, know, when you hit it, it kind of scrambles and. Which looks cool. Yeah. Um, but it just shoots eye beams out at you that will turn well, into like, a creature when they hit the ground. Yeah. Yeah. And 
it's a creature that has like a couple hits, but they just run off the screen. So I just avoided them. Yeah, yeah it's not. <laughs> I just dumped, I just jumped over them and then waited for the head to return to punch it again. And I don't know how many hits this head takes, but it's not that many. It's not as nearly as many as the previous form. Correct. And then you defeat him and you and you proclaim, I sure hope that was the final battle. <laughs> don't we all? And then you are treated to a nice little uh, set of credits here on the very same TV. Yeah, it's pretty sweet. And it wraps it up with a final classic, the end. Your little creature gets up and runs off screen and you get one final Konami symbol and that's it. Woohoo. Well, this is it, the final portion of our show, the review portion. And of course, we use the classic Nintendo Power Review System, which has four categories, each category a possible score from zero to five, starting with graphics and sound. Well, Nick, I gave this game a 3.5. I went with a 4.5. <laughs> oh, wow. I, uh, I really liked the music to this game, so it pulled it It up. is really good. I feel like I could go a little higher. Uh, my biggest problem with this game was that there weren't a lot of animations on the enemy sprites. Yeah. And since the backgrounds were so blown up, they just seemed a little sparse some of the time. Yeah, yeah, I, I can see it for sure. But otherwise, I mean, the animations are gorgeous for your character sprites and uh, a lot of the bosses as well. Yeah, yeah, and it didn't mean that much to me, but I think their the faithfulness of their sprites to the actual toy designs is pretty cool. Yeah, that is pretty cool. Next up is Play Control, and I was really unsure on this one. I gave it a 2.5, but I could go as high as 3. Yeah, I went with a 2.5 as well. Like That double jump is just so weird. Yeah, it's weird, and I mean, you know, your attacks and stuff are fine. I never felt unfairly challenged, you know, through controls. Yeah, I mean, it just was more awkward than anything else, and the timing of your punch, and it's like a hit radius, is also just a little weird to me as well. Like, I, yeah. I was never comfortable jumping and attacking someone because yeah. the timing was just always a bit off. Agreed. Following that is Challenge Factor. Oh, uh, yes. Challenge. And um, what did you give this game? <laughs> I gave it a 1.0. Okay, I gave it a 2.0. I said it was easy and breezy. There's just a couple bosses that could give you a little bit of a, a hard time if you don't know what to do when you go into it, but... Yeah, I mean, honestly, the the only time it kind of veered into truly challenging territory, I thought it was like the boss rush, just because it's more of a resource management at that point with your life, because you don't get to refill them after each boss, but they don't ask that much of you. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I was never like, just on the edge of my seat, upset, or, you know, <laughs> yeah. thought I would be, you know, playing at levels over and over again. So I, I'm with you. It's a pretty easy game. And finally, we have Theme and Fun. I went with a 3.0. Like I gave it a 3.5. You know, even though it is pretty easy and uh, the play control is a little goofy, it is a fun game. And it's interesting to see, like, the levels you're going through, what part of the house you'll be in, what weird creatures you're going to fight. Yeah, and I mean, <laughs> I'm sure if I was a uh, real into monster in my pocket, <laughs> you know, like, it yeah. has an extra level there. But it's still, it's, uh, it's fun, and I think it's... Uh, shortness and easiness kind of works in its favor in that way agreed i mean to me the level design stuff is kind of like so much like rescue rangers except for realistic yeah 
And I love anytime you're shrunk in a, a big world or whatever. Oh, sure. Yeah. And so I ask the same question at the end of every episode. And that is, should you play this game, Nick? I mean, I guess I uh, <laughs> there's not a lot that it's like if, if you're into NES games and you haven't played this one, you it's not like you're missing out on something super awesome, but it's it's so you easy know, and brief, you know, I disagree. I think you should check it out just because the animations of the main characters are so nice. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you don't have to finish the game, but if you start it, there's a good chance you might. Yeah, yeah. I, I think also that this would be a, a pretty decent game for a very young gamer. Agreed. Where, you know, it's not asking you to make like hard decisions or find anything, but it's, you know, it's pretty basic and it looks and sounds good. Next week's game will be Aladdin for the Sega Genesis. So find a copy of that game any way you can, friends, and play along. That's right. And are you a big Monster in My Pocket fan? Were you there? Does this game mean something special to you? Let us know at cartridgecommand at gmail.com. You can also get a hold of us at Cart Command on Twitter or Cartridge Command at the Facebooks. We love hearing from you in those places as well, and sometimes let you know when new shows are going to drop. Yeah. And of course, at the end of every show, we like to thank those awesome and fine folks that give their support at patreon.com slash cartridge command. It is your support that keeps this show rolling forward. And without it, we wouldn't be able to make it. So if you do give, thank you so very much. And if you don't think about giving, every penny helps. Uh, you know, we'd love to do more things for you all and put more stuff out there. But as a couple of working class guys, you know, we only have so much time. If you gave a little more, perhaps we could do a little more. And we really do appreciate everything we do get. Yeah, for sure. It's super awesome. It is, guys and gals. So thank you all very, very much. And as always, Cartridge Commandos. Game on! Oh, I was at it. I, I was at it. A dumb. Yeah. I did a dumb. Uh -huh. Okay.